0: John 21, it can be found in your pew Bibles on page 769, page 769 in your pew Bibles. Today's reading will be John 21, verses 1 through 19. John 21, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. May God bless the reading of his word.
1: Good morning to you. The title of my message this morning is Finishing Easter. Easter is now one week hence. We celebrated it last week, and people all over the world were doing the same thing. People down in Cairo, Egypt, when somebody said, He is risen, the congregation said, He is risen indeed, and over there, in uh, Southeast Asia, in the tribe, the hill people of Cambodia, somebody said, He is risen, and the congregation said, You got that one right. He is risen indeed. And my friends in Singapore were celebrating Easter. And up in Tokyo, they were celebrating Easter. And over to the west coast of the U.S. in San Francisco, they celebrated Easter. And even, of all places, far-flung Lexington, Massachusetts. We celebrated the resurrection of our Lord. It's now 51 weeks away until the next time we will celebrate Easter. Why then is this sermon talking about finishing it? What's lacking? I had a ter- personally. I had a terrific Easter. I I went to my home church, North Shore Community Baptist Church, listened to a great sermon, had the choir sing. It was a it was wonderful, wonderful service. Then I came here. I was with you last week. I preached the Word, First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. I know you remember that sermon perfectly, and you have engraved it upon the tablet of your heart, and have memorized it. Right. Then I went home and I went for a run, uh, went for a jog with my beautiful little dog Hildy, the most perfect dog in the entire world. And then we went over to some friends' house for dinner. It was a great Easter. I was satisfied, body and soul. But something's missing. It's not quite finished. And today's story carries it on and rounds it out and finishes Easter. I don't know if you've noticed in the book of John, but it seems like it has concluded with chapter 20. Not chapter 21, but chapter 20. It seems like it kind of wraps it up. It comes to this climactic verse Verses 30-31. Jesus did many other signs that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. The end. Like the end of a classical symphony. Dun. Dun. Da-da. And then comes chapter 21. Some of the scholars, uh, probably more theologically liberal scholars, think that 21 was a later edition. Like somebody kind of tacked it on later. It was an amateurish postscript. I don't think so. I think it's deliberate. I think Easter is not quite finished. And chapter 21 puts the final ta-da on it. So I'm going to retell the story, and as I tell it, I want you to consider, okay, what, what does chapter 21 add? How does it finish Easter? Why is it necessary after this great climax? I mean, without chapter 21, chapter 20 is sort of like Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Have you been there? It's one of the great uh, tourist sites of the country. It's really, really awe-inspiring and just magnificent. But did you know that it is not complete? The artist worked on it for, what, 20 or 30 years or something? And he died before it was completed, and they never completed it. Look at Washington over there on the side. Look at, see his lapels of his coat. They were going uh, to, the, the, the plan was for him to, to, to all go all the way down to his waist and have the buttons on his waistcoat and all of this, but they didn't finish it. Look at Lincoln there over on the far side. His face is barely emerging from the primeval rock. It is not finished yet. You may say, Dr. Arthurs, thank you very much. I had never noticed that before. Now, every time I see it, I'll be thinking about it. Well, that's what I do now. I I notice how it's not finished, and so misery loves company. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But what my point is, it looks done. It feels done. It is magnificent. Dun, dun, da-da. But once you understand the artist's actual vision you notice it it could use a little more work. It needs to be finished. And maybe the same thing's going on with John 20, John 21. All right, here's the story. Here's the story then. Verse 1. Sometime later, after that, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He appeared again. That word appeared is a favorite word in the book of John. He uses it nine times. And then in the book of 1 John, you know, the little letter of 1 John, nine more times. John's always talking about Jesus revealing himself, appearing, manifesting himself. The word is only used three times in all of Matthew, Mark, and Luke put together. But John wants to call our attention to, he revealed himself again. And you and I are asking, okay, what did he reveal? What, what, how is he finishing Easter? What other revelation is there? They were up in the northern part of the country, the Sea of Tiberias. That's the, the, the Sea of Galilee. It's the Greek and Roman name Tiberius. It's not really a, a sea, it's a lake, it's a freshwater lake. It's a, it's a good size, but it's not all that big. You can see across it, it's about uh, maybe seven miles at the widest point, and maybe about 12 miles north to south, and they're up there in their home region. Jesus has commanded them to go to Galilee. He did that in uh, the end of the book of Matthew. So they're up there in their home area. Peter came from Galilee and John and James and the other guys that are named here. It's their home area. They know the name of the, uh, the attendant down at the gas station. They know the best place to buy fresh produce. It's their home area. They know that it's better to take Cherry Street rather than 2nd Avenue, because if you take 2nd Avenue, it's really hard to pull out to your left with all the traffic. Just take Cherry Street. It's their home area. And Jesus has deliberately sent them there. Question, why did he command them, go to Galilee and wait for me? Period. Why did he send them there? He takes them back to their roots. So James and John and Peter and Nathaniel are standing down there at the Sea of Tiberias at the Lake of Galilee. And they smell the lake again. It's been a while since they've been there. And they listen to the small waves hitting the stony shore. And I imagine their minds went back to the first time Jesus encountered them there at the Sea of Tiberias. Do you remember that? Follow me. Leave your fishing boats. Leave your nets. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. That was three or four years ago. And here they are again. Up north in Galilee. Well, anyway, they got into the boat I imagine it felt good to them to rock again in the small waves and to bob in the boat. It felt natural to them. And maybe they were fishing with heavy hearts. Because Jesus had died and he had risen again and he had appeared to them and now what are we doing up here in Galilee? What are we waiting for? They fished at night. I'm not sure why it was normal for them to do so. I had better fishing at night. And they're fishing all night long and they do not catch a single fish. And they're hauling in the net and throwing the net and hauling. And let's row over there. Let's try over there. And they throw the net eight hours, approximately eight hours. And they're tired. And they're out of shape. They're not used to this kind of work. And their arms are aching. we are hauling in that net. And John got a blister from rowing around. And what are we waiting for? You and I ask, what's Jesus trying to finish? Go to Galilee and wait for me. So they're rowing back to shore. And the sun is coming up slowly. And way out there on the shore, they, um, there's somebody standing out there on the shore, out there in the Sea of Galilee. sun is just coming up over the, the hills, and down at shore level, it's still dark, kind of misty. They can't see anything. But they hear a voice, a strong voice. strong voice calls out, Hey boys! You haven't caught anything, have you? Well, no. Thank you. (laughs) uh, Have you tried throwing the net on the right side of the boat? Try that. Peter looks at John. The right side? They had tried the right side. They had tried the left side. They had tried the front of the boat. They had tried the back of it. The... Hey, if it had done any any good, they would have gotten out and swim into the net themselves to show the fish how to do it. But he says, "Throw it on the right side." So they went, oh, "Whatever." Maybe he can see something we can't see. And so they unfold the net. They had already stowed it away. They're coming back to shore. They unfolded uh, One guy on this side, one guy on this side on, on three. One, two, and then whoosh, and it's a nice cast, and it opens like a parachute and a soft plash into the water. And they start hauling. And immediately, it's very heavy. And one of the disciples thinks, "Oh, great! It got snagged on something. This is just... No, no, it's it's still drawing. It's still coming. It's not snagged, but it's very heavy." And uh, they're, they're they're getting the idea. Hey, I think we caught something, and um, and, um, and adrenaline starts flowing, and they're forgetting about their weariness. And Peter says, uh, "Andrew, Andrew, uh, little brother, come on, come on, come on, pull, pull harder." And, in the middle of this gathering net, a fish jumps and, and Andrew says, Whoa, did you see that one? That was a big one. And uh, come on, pull. And they the others are pitching in and grabbing and it's sort of like the three stooges and they're bumping into each other. And uh, Peter says, Thomas, Thomas, can't you get your edge of the net up? Come on, get it up into the boat. And Thomas says, Oh, no, I doubt it. And they can't get, the, can't get it. In. And then, and then, and then it strikes John. Verse seven. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "It is the Lord." And uh, Peter just gets him. Peter immediately picked up his cloak, like his robe, because he had stripped down for action. He's fishing, I guess, just like in a loincloth. And you don't go greet the Lord Jesus in your underwear. So he puts on his robe. Woo! He's over the side of the boat. This is Peter, right? Very impetuous. And he's swimming to shore. And the other guys are dragging the net. There's about 100 yards away from the shore. And they make it up. And they make it up. And they're dragging it up onto the shore. Peter's already there. He's already there. Peter's staring at something. What's he staring at? Are they, are they talking? What, what's going on? What's he staring at? And they, they come up closer. And uh, what's the Bible say? It's a charcoal fire. That word appears twice in the whole New Testament, both of them in the book of John. Charcoal fire. Do you remember the other time? Anybody? The night that Jesus was betrayed there in Jerusalem, remember Peter warmed himself at the charcoal fire? I think Jesus is deliberately staging like a like a living parable because something needs to be finished. Easter has happened. He's risen. He's appeared. He's going to appear again to them. It's not done, though. Something's missing. Peter, who's staring there at the, uh, the charcoal fire, smell of the charcoal. I don't know him! Hey, aren't you wanting his ah uh, what are you talking about? Listen, you, you you sound like you're from up north from Galilee. Are you wanting his to I tell you with a curse I tell you I don't know him. Leave me alone. What are you talking about? And now he's back in Galilee. And there's the charcoal fire. You, do you know why the, 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 the human mind is haunted by our mistakes and our sins and our failures from the past? You know how they kind of linger and you have this heavy feeling? You know what I'm talking about? When you do well, if you get a good grade on the test or you win the contest, it feels good, but then it kind of is gone. Why do our mistakes linger? In psychology, it's called the Zygernick effect. Huh? Z-E-I-G, Zygernik and the idea is, a mistake registers in the mind as an unfinished task. You know, you, you, didn't, it, you didn't work out the way you planned. It, it, it wasn't brought to completion. And subconsciously, the mind just keeps rolling it over again and over again. And we are haunted, in Peter's case. Nah, I don't know who he is. Leave me alone. And the Bible says Jesus came out, and without a word, he looked straight at Peter, and Peter remembered and went out and wept bitterly. How long ago was that? 30 days? 60 days? I don't know. And here he's staring at another charcoal fire. Must have been a strange breakfast. (laughs) Jesus said, give me some of those fish. you got 153 of them. They're really big. Give me some of them. Let's prepare this thing. Cook them here on these these coals, on these embers. He had bread with him. Must have been as strange as the last time they ate together. Remember that one? We call it the Last Supper where he also broke bread. And Jesus is taking them back to their roots, taking them back to Galilee where he first commissioned them. I will make you fishers of men. He's taking them back to the scene of their failure. I don't know who he is. And they scattered. He's taking them back to the Last Supper where he... he, laid aside his garments and wrapped himself with a towel and served them and broke bread, my body broken for you. And he wants to bring them to the place where they're ready to finish this thing, this thing called Easter. What follows the, uh, the resurrection in the book of Matthew? Matthew. What's the last thing in the book of Matthew? We call it the Great Commission. Do you know it? Matthew uh, 28. Remember this? Go into all the world. The Great Commission. It goes like this. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, right? Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Same, similar thing in the book of Luke. This is on the road to Emmaus after Jesus rose. This was one of those appearances. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures that Christ should uh, should rise from the dead. The repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed, sort of like the Great Commission. Go proclaim to all the nations. John doesn't have anything like these great commissions or does he Maybe chapter 21 is a narrative way a parable like way of putting the final dun 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 on the resurrection Are you with me What would finish Easter what would round it out what would bring it to its natural completion well what is what's the natural completion in Matthew what's the natural completion in Luke what's the natural completion in the book of John maybe this is it he rose and now we should go Now we should tell people. Now we should go make disciples. Yes, He rose. Yes, salvation is purchased. Yes, He rose. He ascended to the right hand of His Father. And from thence He shall come to judge the living and the dead. Yes, He is glorified in heaven. And now He passes the baton to us. And He says, okay, go tell people. Like in Matthew. Like in Luke, maybe like in John. Look at verses 15 through 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know. Okay. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Okay? Take care of my sheep. Third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep verse 19 he said to him follow me all right so then what is the lesson how do we finish easter what is john 21 adding to john 20 how does the great commission of matthew round out the resurrection of jesus how does luke chapter uh uh luke chapter what <laughs> Twenty-three, I think how does it round out uh, this resurrection I think it's this because he rose we go we feed his lambs we minister in his name we make disciples we tell people he rose follow him because Jesus rose we should go we should minister, we should serve, we should feed his lambs. That's how you can finish Easter. Are you doing it? You telling people? Or are you a secret disciple? You come to church and you sing, I love you Lord and I live and worship you oh my heart. And then you leave and you don't move. I don't want anyone to know. I'm really glad he rose, but it doesn't really impact my daily life. Mm-mm. He rose, he conquered death. Where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Okay, Go tell people. That's how you can finish Easter. You say, Dr. Arthur, what are you talking about? Like I don't, what do you, you want me to preach to people? What you What is this? I, I don't, huh? Scary. Okay, fair enough. Three suggestions on how you can tell people, how you can feed my lambs, how you can make disciples. First suggestion: invite people. That's simple enough, isn't it? Invite them to church. Invite them to youth group. Invite them to uh, such and such a concert. Invite them. Uh, invite them into your house. Invite them. Invite them for an Easter supper. Invite. invite people and see if the Lord doesn't open up a door for utterance for more communication he's counting on us he is commissioning us he's recommissioning Peter and the others finish this thing and one way we can do that is simply by inviting second suggestion tell your story it's just your story. It's just your own experience of following Jesus. It's, you're not trying to cram it down somebody's throat. But, but just, just be free to tell them, uh, Hey, I'm so happy because I was praying about such and such, and I think the Lord answered my prayer. Just, just weave it into your daily communication. You know, uh, I haven't been a Christian forever. Um, you know, I became a Christian when I was 12 years old. And just tell your story. Nobody can argue with your story. It's your story. We call this testimony, don't we? As I'm speaking to you, as I'm suggesting that you finish Easter by going and telling and spreading the word, is the Lord bringing people or situations or instances to mind where you could be doing these things? Is there somebody you could invite? Is there, is there an opportunity for you to tell your story? You know, one of the primary ways that the Lord uh, sanctifies us and grows us up and you know, conforms us into the image of Christ, one of the primary ways he's do, he does that is through the teaching of the word of God, Right? And here I'm demonstrating to you that this John chapter 21, this recommissioning of Peter and the others at the charcoal fire, I'm teaching you, I'm demonstrating, this is like the great commission. This is like the, this is dun, 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 dun this is finishing it out. Because without you and me, I, I, we, we say this without pride, there's no arrogance, but without you and me in the picture, Easter is kind of incomplete so we tell people. A third suggestion on how you can uh, spread the word and feed my lambs and make disciples. A third suggestion is um, share the... not sure what happened there, why the, uh, the cyber gremlins have struck again. Uh, what it says, if you look very carefully, is that share the Romans road. Have you heard of the Romans road? It's, 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 a, it's a few verses from the book of Romans, and it's a real simple way to share the gospel. Let's see if it works. There we go. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When you're sharing the gospel, you can start there. I don't think many people will argue with that. Everybody has sinned. I have sinned. We fall short of God's, you know, His plan, what He intended for us. Next verse in Romans, You should write these down and memorize these verses. real simple way to share the gospel and to finish Easter. Next, 623. 323, 623. The wages of sin is death, but, that's a key word, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then one more simple verse. What is our response to this great gift of eternal life? Our response is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a simple, doable, uh, compact, clear way to share the Gospel. Everybody's sinned, right? And because we've sinned, we are far from God. The wages of sin is death. But, He sent Jesus. Eternal life. And here's what you need to do. Call on His name. Ask Him to save you. Oh Lord, help me. Save me. Rescue me. And you too can become a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, there you have it, my friends. That's a a suggestion. I think it comes from the Bible. On how we can finish Easter. Finishing Easter. Tell your story. Invite somebody. And when God opens the door, share a. We call it the Romans Road. Oh. There it is. (laughs) Perhaps you could go to black screen now. One more click. Napoleon's officers... Carried inside their jackets, close to their hearts, a map of the world. They did that because Napoleon commanded them to do so, and why did he command them to do so? Because world conquest was his goal. And he wanted that constant reminder that this battle, this campaign, this thing, it's part of this worldwide strategy for me, Napoleon, to. Rule the world. They carried that map because their general's purpose was their purpose. His passion became their passion. And so for that passion, for that vision of world conquest, they suffered, they sacrificed, they fought, they died. Okay, Jesus did not provide you and me with maps, but he did take the original disciples, back to their home area, Galilee, the land of their calling and their commission, he did show them a charcoal fire. He did serve them a meal so that they would remember. Remember what? Remember that he rose. And they should tell people. They should minister in his name. Those are our marching orders. Once again, without being arrogant, is it accurate to say that if you and I are not in the picture, Easter is unfinished, incomplete? Because he rose, we go. We serve, we feed His lambs, we make disciples, we tell people, we, under the authority of Jesus, spread the word. That's how you can finish Easter. Heavenly Father, help us to do it. Help me to do it, to spread your word and make disciples. By the confidence, the power, the commissioning, the authority, the joy of our Lord, help us to be your spokespeople. In Jesus' name, amen.